Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Off Mic, Off the Record. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. Joining me this week, the band Laredo. Uh, no, it's not the town Laredo. That's a lot of people, and I couldn't get enough microphones, but this is the band Laredo. What's up, gentlemen? Hello. Two of four, you? actually. Two of four. So we have two members. Currently. We have the population of the band Laredo is four, and we have two of the four. Yes, two of four of the band Laredo. The city we have two of two hundred fifty nine thousand one hundred fifty one people actually in Laredo. Don't was, ask how I know this. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> now, now I'm gonna, now this is where I'm going to throw the question: Is there not a band that the name of the band is just Laredo? I looked into that. There might be, um, but <sighs> this is an interesting question I'm asking just because for some reason I think I went to Google y'all's website one time and I got. Laredo. I think there was a song by the the band. Does, does not look like there's a Laredo band. Okay, maybe it was the song Laredo by a band and something. There is a song called Laredo by Band of Horses, yeah, which is Horses. excellent. Okay, it's a great. Song. There's where I was at. Okay, yeah. thank you for clearing that up. This gets a little confusing. Um, I get confused easy and sidetracked. Um, so it's good. So gentlemen, drive in was good. Let's see a beautiful hot. Texas Sunday. Yeah. That's 77,000 degrees out there, but you didn't have a far drive. No, we're pretty close. We're really close right yeah. there in Granbury. He called me at like 1030 and he was like, yo, so you want to like start heading over that way? And I, and I said, isn't the interview at like two? <laughs> I think I was just excited, man. He <laughs> was glad. So excited. I'm glad. Well, uh, as I told you guys, when you rolled up, I, I did the Sunday afternoon nap. Um, probably shouldn't have because I'm a little groggy, but that's the fun part about it. So we were talking drummers right before we came on air, and this is an interesting came up because I was asking you about the Ringo Starr kind of playing. Yeah, that, that kind of that's fine. No, he's got that, he's got his very particular way he plays. And for you people listening, I'm making this little funny motion where I'm just kind of rocking, swinging my arms back and forth in my head. But that's kind of how he kept tempo. <laughs> he did. Well, still does. I mean, he's still playing. He All star band. He had a really fun style. He has currently still. So do you have a bigger opinion on drummers other than Ringo? Because this is a good topic. Okay. My favorite drummer all of all time will always be Dave Grohl. Mm. Well, I, let's say, let's back up and say musician of all time. Okay. Because he's a drummer first. I always said that I'm a drummer first. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a drummer too. Did not know that. So Yeah. Okay. So I highly respect Dave Grohl. I think he's probably one of my heroes when it comes to music in general. I mean, he didn't ever do anything. I mean, what he was, what was that band? Sort of in Nirvana, then mm-hmm. then Scream, I think. Yeah, the old punk band, the old punk band, and then oh, Queens of the Stone Age, whatever. Yeah, he's never done anything. <laughs> Are you not a fan? I love Dave Grohl. I'm just being sarcastic <laughs> as hell. I think he's an amazing musician and a person. But I, had I, a, I was listening to an interview. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, interview of him and one of his idols were Ringo Starr. Okay, I didn't know that. I guess that got him. Beatles got him into playing a lot as well as the punk scene in DC and wherever he grew up at. I'm going to write this down. I know my, the thing I like about Dave Grohl is that he seemed like from very early on, he was like, I want to be a rock and roll musician. And then he did it. He just like, that's his thing. Yeah. That to, to pursue that. I don't know. I love it. He straight up owns that too. Yeah. He owns it. Like that's him. That's what he does. I feel like Dave Grohl kind of has his own brand of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. He does, you know, and I think opinion time now. I'm and I'm a little opinionated on some things, not on the other things. I don't think rock music right now is what you could say rock music was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I don't think the scene is vibrant as it used to be. 
he's still making rock music. Yeah. I, I will 100% say, I think he is still making rock music. I, that's just me saying it out there is I don't think it's as strong as it was back then, but eh. he'll take an electric I'm guitar old. to the grave with him. Yeah. I've been thinking about this too. You just don't have as many massive rock and roll bands like you used to. Um, because, because I think the internet kind of fragmented a lot of things. So you have all these smaller fan bases and, mm-hmm. and, and scenes spread out everywhere mm-hmm. and you can participate in so many of them if you want, but there's not that it doesn't feel like there's that unifying big band that just yeah. like everybody goes to see like Nirvana yeah. or, uh, he's kind of like the last pioneer of like a real true rock star. Yeah. When you think a rock star, Oh like yeah. He's like, what other face comes to mind? I mean, maybe a few. There's, yeah, there's for sure. You know, but, but it, it seems like a lot of them are from that generation. Predominantly Dave Grohl is like, I feel like has the torch right now. I would agree with that. Uh, I'm a prodigy of the nineties. I went to high school and college in the nineties. And I've talked about this a lot is my background's very mixed between country music, the Texas movement, the when it started with resurgence, but I was heavy, heavy into alternative rock in mm-hmm. the, in the nineties, blur, blink 22, smashing pumpkins, Pearl nice. jam, Nirvana, Allison James, but just go down that list. If they, if they rocked out, I was, I loved it. And Mars Volta. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. All at the drive-in. At the drive-in. Yeah. I liked them too. Going to see Bowling for Soup here when they were new, the toadies. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old. I met so. him actually yeah, at Bart's was, studio. We were talking about Bart Rhodes. Or, uh, Baden? Uh, huh? Baden Todd Lewis? Yeah. Oh, nice. And you said we were talking Bart, so we can get into Bart that. Bart Rose, sorry. Yeah, we were talking about Bart before uh, when we weren't recording. I've known that guy since I was like seven years old. My dad used to record in bands and stuff, and so he'd bring me in the studio with him. I don't even know if he wanted to just get me a taste of the studio or what, but I just remember being there. And uh, so I knew Bart going in and out of Fort Worth Sound and wherever it was before. And... um. Every time I see him, he's still like, hey, man, your dad's a genius. He's like, you know, that's where you get your genius. That's just from what he said. I don't by any means think I'm a genius, just to clarify. <laughs> I think I'm kind of an idiot. You're, you're not. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just gonna, I think I'm kind Throw of Throw that idiot. out there. Yeah. He's just reaffirming the fact that you're not. That's all it is. That's okay. He can do that. And so I don't, so we don't confuse anyone else did it though. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's not, that's completely appropriate. So we don't confuse anybody. There are currently two errands at this table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you made the comment, Aaron, and I was thinking, oh, hold on, we got to clarify this because I didn't right. actually introduce you guys. So it's Aaron and Lucas, mm-hmm. two of the four members of the band Laredo, two citizens. Oh. This voice is Aaron. Boom. Aaron Dowd. Aaron Dowd. Right there. You like that, don't you? Yeah, I did. The citizens? We're citizens of the band Laredo. You're not members of the band Laredo anymore. You're citizens. We'll, we'll take it. Use that. Yeah, you heard that here first. I'm looking for that in the liner notes. <laughs> Yeah, like <sighs> Laredo. So tell me about the name origin. Who came up with it? Uh, I did. Uh, at first it was, I wanted to be in a band. I was doing the solo thing before, um, I met Aaron actually. Um, I was going under the name Lucas Rye. This backstory. I used to play in a band called the Rye boys still do. Once a Rye boy, you're always a Rye boy. Okay. Right. Uh, you ride till you die. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just say you ride till you die. You ride till you die. Uh, shout out all the Rye boys. Um, I'm not mad. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, I wanted to be like in a band, you know? So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get this band together, <clears throat> start doing, um, 
you know, live full band music again. And um, I was thinking of names to go to attach to Lucas Rye, Lucas Rye and the something, something, something or whatever. But I just thought that was so overused. Not that I don't respect it. I love it. But I thought, you know, I want to just, I want to make it a band, like a thing, a solidified statement. And so we came up with, I came up with Lucas Rye and the band Laredo. And I just thought it kind of looked, sounded, sounded nice, had a nice little ring to it. Yeah. Um, I like that Laredo had the same letter that started out with as my name, I think, just kind of brought it together. Um, but anyways, yeah, we dropped Lucas Rye just shortly after. I mean, it was just like, no, let's just be, be a band Laredo. Let's, let's identify as a band. We want to rock and roll. I like it. I dig it. I love the name. Uh, I can, I can do that. And I love you made that comment about bands. That was very much, especially locally, early 2000s. Uh, had some pretty interesting ones. Uh, Joey Green and Defining Briscoe. Zach cool. Walther and the Cronkites. <laughs> That's good. My favorite one, uh, and it's still out there, is Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. Dude, yeah. Love. Is yeah, that not the coolest him. band name ever? Yeah, the Night Sweats. They're great. Love him, man. Had no clue the first time I watched uh, Austin to Boston who he was. I feel shameful for that. I watched it. I love that documentary. Have y'all seen that? Yes. Mm-mm. You have to watch it. Austin to Boston is the name of it. And it's about touring. Up and coming bands touring. White band in it. Austin to Boston. That's cool. Good documentary. Good documentary. Also, uh, just to back up a little bit, now that I remember really what I should have said, was, uh, so Laredo is actually a, in the streets of Laredo, like a Marty Robinson. Yeah. And uh, I think our look that I would like us to kind of go for is like this really classic looking Marty Robbins texture. Okay. You know? So when we go on, on stage, you know, we look like this, really classic pressed, you know, Marty Robbins look. And, um, then, you know, we come out playing like, you know, punk rock, punk rock music, you know, with banjos and fiddles and stuff. And, uh, I just think it kind of gives it a little interesting thing. So I personally would like to walk out on stage one day. This is my dream. It's on my bucket list to walk out on stage with the streets of Laredo playing and then just kick in and just bring it down, you know, That's what I like to do. It's a good, it's a good vision and a good dream. So this is what I'm picturing happening. And the song's totally off. It's just what came to mind is you're walking out and I mean, y'all are, you know, some nudie suits, you know, the really nice Marty Robbins look Mm -hmm. and some, um, Phoenix TX, uh, playing stylish. The, what was that one song they did? Phoebe Cates. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that song. Oh, I'm going to educate you guys yeah. on one of the, on one of the greatest punk songs of all time. So that so type of, that, uh, that type of intro coming in, um, and we get to do the, the wonderful 20 seconds of a, of a song here do like, that. Uh, before I get in trouble and get an email saying, don't do that. So, okay. So I'm going to take this moment to say, man, I really love your dog. Agatha's great. Isn't she? Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Is she chilling by you right now? She's, she's asleep right there, right underneath us. She's going to stay there, and then you're going to start playing guitar, and she's going to get up, and she will get right under you. <sighs> That's cool. She does. She's all about she's all about guitars and music. So um, make sure I get this off of mute real quick. You, you're going to like this song. 
So before we go any further, it reminds me like some save the day kind of stuff. You ever heard that band? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Uh, so the, that song, remember the movie fast times at Richmond high, Absolutely. the entire movie is about Phoebe Kate's character. I mean, the entire song is about that. Nice. Wow. The whole song is just about her. That's cool. I'm going to have to dive deep into that one. It's a good one to check it out. And then it's also very specifically, um, getting into, uh, what she catches the brother doing in the bathroom. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's a song about catching a guy masturbating to a girl and it's hilarious. Anyway, we won't like talk say, about it. We've all been there. <sighs> yeah. Just never was Phoebe Cates. She was a good, I, I'm an eighties movie guy. Are y'all eighties movies guys at all. You're I watching? love eighties. I just watched a uh, karate kid the other day. Actually, I got a late start, but you know, I, I love that era. Like so the good. Brat pack. Yes. Those movies were the best breakfast club. <sighs> Anything in Shermer, Illinois, guys. The Thing by uh, John Carpenter is still oh. my, my favorite horror movie ever. Dude, The Shining. That's pretty good, too. Is that 80s? That's 80s, right? 78? My dad's going to be so mad been at me if he uses Either late or early. 80s. It's either late or early, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, both both of them extremely good movies. The Thing, though, yeah, the whole premise behind that movie is just brilliant. The practical effects. Oh, yeah. yeah. Genius, genius, genius. What I liked about the 80s movies is there really weren't remakes in the eighties. It was just mm-hmm. people coming up with the most coked up ideas they could come up with yeah. after a bender. <laughs> I say that, I don't know if that really was going on. Probably was because the eighties was an era of excess. They would just come up with just crazy ideas. Let's make a movie about 10 kids that have to spend the entire day on Saturday in a high school by themselves. All right, let's go with it. Let's see it. And then, like you guys said, the Brat Pack, they did an entire, all these movies took place in a fictional town in Illinois that was a suburb of Chicago, and it was brilliant. Yeah. Then you those guys that. built like a movie empire, man, in the 80s. All those movies were just, and they were insane. Karate Kid was a good one. They ended up doing all these sequels. These spinoffs off, uh, what was it, the two uh, the two Corys, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim did yes. like 10 movies that half of them sucked, but they were great. My favorite movie from the 80s, Rad. <laughs> nice. Uh, have really, you ever seen it? I haven't seen that. I haven't. I can't. I can't say. I so you need to. You need to watch it. it. Is the complete most hour and thirty six minute waste of time. It's all about <laughs> BMX racing. Oh, dude, I love BMX racing. And Lori Laughlin is in it. Nice. I really love like horror movies from the eighties. I really love. Big fan of Evil Dead. Oh yes, big Evil Dead guy. But I like. Uh, like I just watched this one the other night too. Uh, the Goonies, man. Did you know you can go on a tour in Washington State of all the homes from the Goonies? Really? Mm-hmm. I thought that was the most interesting, like house setup over there. Like, yes. little, it looked like it was on a cliff or something. Yeah, all that's there. One of my favorite things to talk about is uh, Goonies never say die. Goonies never say die. Is in a in a world full of Fratellis, be a Chester Copperpot, <laughs> and nobody gets that. Like that. Nobody ever gets it. I'll say it just offhanded, and someone will be like, "What?" Never mind. Cool. I like your cut, by the way. Thank I'm just going to name everything nice. in the room I like. Um, I like lamp. I love lamp. Love lamp. But yeah, I'm going to have to get me one of those cups. So these were gifted to me by a friend as soon as I started the podcast. And I, you okay over there, Agatha? She's she's oh. moaning. It's the calming treats we gave her earlier. <laughs> the good ones. You the good calming good, treats. You got any more of those? <laughs> I got a whole bottle of them. 
but no. And so I actually, in January, will be printing cups, hats, stickers, and actually doing merch. I um, have just been too lazy to do it this time, this year. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's wait till next year. I'll give you my address. You can send one. If Done. You feel inclined. It's going to be stickers, hats, uh, vests, puffer vests. Uh, I'm going to do house shoes. I, I'm just exaggerating <laughs> on all that. But house shoes Pillows? is good. Oh. Like couch cushions? Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I have the best idea for merchandise, and I almost don't want to say it because like, I know everyone's going to start doing it, but I got to say it anyways. I see guess. Crocs everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Croc charms, dude, with your band name on it. Or you could even put like my face, like a little illustrated face, and put it on a Croc charm and sell it. Croc charms. Croc charms. So Tell me that's not genius. I've never owned Crocs. Honestly, me neither. But I know some people would buy them. Like I feel like everyone's got to. I don't know. Now I feel like I have to go buy a pair of Crocs. Now just got to got to think about the audience and what they want. Yeah, you got to. So Croc charms is where it's going to be at. Um, But for us older guys, you got to do dude charms too, because we all all us old guys wear dude shoes. Dude charms, yeah. You got to do charms. Because I was thinking about it and I was like, man, that'd be really cool. And then uh, what's the company that does all the charms? The the Dang it. They do all the necklaces. I know exactly what we're talking about. H E B is getting one. James Avery? Yeah, that's it. Is it James Avery? Yeah, that's it. Because I, I could just picture it as like, ladies and gentlemen, the latest James Avery edition of the Van Laredo Charms. Exclusively at H E B. Collaboration, James Avery, if you're listening. <laughs> oh. Could you imagine having a band charm right next to a Whataburger charm? Oh, it'd be crazy. That <laughs> Okay, we're all over the place, and I'm still sitting here wanting. We we said Dave Grohl, and it, my mind just circled right back to it because Aaron never answered drummer wise. Yeah, I didn't get to talk. I didn't want to interrupt, but I still have the list. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> He's been waiting for the opportunity. I've been that. waiting. This I had whole to circle time. us back around because I know how podcasts work. Yeah, I, it's bad because I am. I I will literally go nine miles. I'm so ADHD, dude. I can keep up. So okay, good. if we ever oh, do get too. off, well, you could be the mediator and just be like, "Yo, y'all, y'all need to chill." You didn't talk about this. I have I have done uh, over a hundred episodes of my own podcast, and then edited thousands of episodes. Thousands, thousands. Crazy. It was my full time job for a while. Yeah. Please never watch my editing because you will <laughs> you will be so mad at the oh, way I do thing. it. I'd just be like, oh hey, did you know there's like a keyboard shortcut for that? Yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> Just I'll just save you like fifty percent of your editing. Time. Anyways, drummers. Um, <laughs> my biggest influence is one of them would have to be Brad Wilk, Rage Against the Machine. Oh. His groove and like the power and energy he brings to to to, to music yeah. is what I've always wanted to do. Um, but Dave Grohl is another big influence. Danny Carey from Tool, the the complexity and the just like the the way he builds songs. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Josh Josh Freese, who played for A Perfect Circle and, okay. a, bun- and a bunch of other bands. Um, he's really solid too. And then, yeah, there's been a there's been a bunch of other bands around. I was very into alternative rock too in my in my teenage years, but it, it, I went eventually. I got into the weird experimental and yeah. then like indie kind of rock. So okay. all the weird, interesting stuff, odd time signatures, strange noises, songs about like who knows what. Um, yeah. Just I, I'm I'm I love the variety of music uh, that people make. You know, just about all different things all different emotions. Uh, so I just, I try to sample as much as I can. I love that. Yeah. 
that's the that was kind of the idea when I did this podcast is uh, 13 years doing the show that we did on TXRDR and it was mainly a, a, a Texas country mainly but on this one it's I'm I listen my 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 music palette is so much more diverse than that uh, and I think we've all kind of chatted I know you and I have about what the upbringing was and what parents influenced and what you listened to and I'm like yeah yeah my favorite drummer is Chad Smith oh I didn't Love even it. mention him but yeah yeah I just huge. He's just, I think he's the coolest cat ever. I got one too. But this is just, this is like, you know, earlier, uh, alternative country or sorry, alternative, just rock and roll growing up being the angsty dude. I was, uh, Aaron Gillespie. Oh dude. From yeah. Under Oath. Yeah. The way he hits that drum is unlike anybody else I've ever, ever seen. He hits he, those drums so hard. Yeah. I was gonna say there's anger and power in there. Oh. He's, he's he's so angles. powerful, and then he sings on top of it. Yeah, and that's I think that's kind of the reason why he's one of my favorites too. Because not only is he a great drummer, but he's a great songwriter. He also had a he, the almost was mm-hmm. a project that he had, and he just did it all. Yeah, and Lord have mercy, that man can play the drum set. Mm-hmm. And uh, also another guy I don't know his name, but if you ever heard the the band Number One Gun, he was kind of like never he never really played live, at least to my knowledge. But he did. He was like a recording artist. He did records. But he did it all too. He was just like one man band. Did all the drums, did all the guitars, did all the singing, and it was just like, dude, you write great stuff. You're a great drummer. Um, I don't know. I respect people like that. I think it's cool. Aaron Gillespie. Mm-hmm. To, to expand on your point earlier, so we didn't tell the listeners this, but uh, you interviewed Colton Moore a few episodes back yes. now, I think, uh, and I play drums for Colton. Colton and and his crew actually introduced me to Texas country back in like 2012 when I nice. met them. I wasn't like I wasn't really a listener. I didn't know the bands. I was into <laughs> rock and indie rock and alternative rock and a little bit of jazz and you know all the oldies were a big part of my upbringing. You know, listening to all the songs from the 50s and 60s, but That's right. um, which Colton, were amazing musicians back then yeah. motown the yeah, motown musicians good. and uh and the wrecking crew out of, yes. out of southern california like you those, hit it before i got to it yep yep so both mm-hmm. of those that was like my childhood essentially up to the point where i started playing drums and then i got into alternative rock um but like colton and ryan and uh and and uh cosper and 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 chip uh steven they introduced me to like american aquarium and the thieving birds and uh, uh, damn quails, and just like a turnpike troubadours, like all these bands that I had never heard of, but instantly was just like, that's great music. And so I started like learning that sound and incorporating with all the other stuff that that I was doing at the time too. Um, so it was really, it was really cool. I still love playing. That's, cool. that's that aha moment. Yeah, it was like, it was is. Like, this is really cool. So I have a hot take, and I don't know how many people agree with me because I am generally on the older end of what most playing touring musicians are right now. So I'm 42. I graduated in 97. So the heyday of alternative music was 94 to 2002. That was truly the heyday of when it was mainstream, secular, and all that. Mm -hmm. I tell people the majority of what I'm hearing right now that we call Texas music or Red Dirt or Americana is the alternative music I listened to back then. And people like were getting mad at me. And I was like, I said, I said, no, I I said, it's not, I'm not saying it's just rock because the alternative music back then had country influence. Go listen to anything. Matchbox 20, Goo Goo Dolls, any of those bands sans the Seattle true, you know, heavy rock and uh, grunge. 
Well, even there's a lot of that in the oh, yeah. newer stuff too. But I mean, like it all transcends. All I'm saying is it's good music and it's popular music. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. But it all sounds the same. It's the same to me. Like I can go, I can go throw on, if I go watch storytellers about any of those bands and I'll go listen to a live show now, I'm like, it's the same music. We just labeled it differently. I don't know. You think I'm wrong? No, no, no definitely no. not. I, and I, I used to be, I used to be kind of, um, I don't know, kind of a music snob and just being like, Oh, I've heard somebody do that before. And nowadays I, I like, for me, it's just more about like, okay, who's this person making this music? What's their story? What's the story of the music? How does it make me yes. feel a little less on like, has this been done before? Um, less because, angry about it because, uh, just like, you know, a lot of it's, I think a lot of people that are like that, um, it, just, it comes from a place of insecurity rather than appreciation. Okay. Um, I, like, I can speak for myself. It's like, Oh, this music I'm trying to make, like, why isn't, why don't people enjoy this as much as, uh, these other bands that I don't think are that good. Okay. But anyways, that's a, that's a side note, but yeah, yeah. It's like everyone has, everyone takes all their influences from the songs they've heard, from the stories they've been told, from the people they've been around and it all kind of goes in and gets mixed up and comes out. And if you're, if you're familiar with that sound, then you hear that sound, but there's so many people that are just coming from a totally different place that have never heard that before. Um, and so that's the, that's like, I don't know. That's why I like uh, exploring different genres than I'm usually like listening to or familiar with because it's interesting, interesting to hear um, new things that I haven't heard before. And then, then, then linking the commonalities right. that you've found in all of it. Yeah. Find ways to work them into, to what you're doing as a musician. That's why I like Aaron. Cause we, we kind of grew up listening to, I think a lot of similar music in the underground kind of rock scene. And I, Somehow we got into Texas country music and we met and here we are. I wouldn't really even go as far as to say we're Texas country music though. You're I not. think it's a weird label. I'd just say independent music. Yeah. Texas rock and roll Texas is, rock. is my favorite. Yeah. Well, Texas music is the umbrella that all that falls under. Well, I like the alternative. The alternative is good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You ready for this? Yes. Post them. Post alternative pretext on a indie shred dirt. Yeah, Dude, that's it. <laughs> Zach, he's not here today. He's a good lead guitar player in the band. Zach is how we know each other. Actually, I yeah. met Zach at the, around the same time I met Colton uh, when I was living in Weatherford. We both jammed at the same house. <laughs> yeah, nice. It all started, and then I and then I saw him at HEB in Granbury. Zach, uh, ten years later, hadn't seen him in ten years. He's like, "Hey, Aaron." I was like, "Hey," and he's like, "We need a drummer." Like, okay. <laughs> cool. and, then it, and then it happened ben and, was born. and then that's how it started and then here we go here we go but anyway zach came up with thrash grass and i thought that was kind of cool <laughs> thrash grass thrash grass man i want to make a shirt with all of these names on it there's so many good ones uh because i know joey green and uh, oh i can't slip in my, my mind who came up with the idea but you know he has the 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 post uh americana t-shirts it's like one of their band shirts. It's post Americana. I love post Americana. It's awesome. Post Americana. But we did the post alternative pretext on an indie shred there. Cause we thought that covered everything. We were doing a kill ride around the fire one nine and you know, just random stuff comes up when you get log jammed and you can't come up with where the next line or something is. And so we were doing, it. I was like, we need to start a new genre. Mm -hmm. And then just everybody just kind of threw their input and we put it together and we're like, what's the most obnoxious name you can come up with for what we're doing right now? 
And that was it. The only qualifications are is you have to have it have at least three murder ballads, and you have to have one member who sh- who just destroys the stage every every uh, show. We'd that say. would be quite the show. Um, yeah, there might have been a lot of rye whiskey involved. Uh, I had to tie that in for you. There you go. Uh, a little bit of rye whiskey involved, but uh, yeah. Uh, then we decided that it needed to die that night. Also, we haven't written one murder ballad yet. Surprisingly. What are you doing? I don't know. I've been kind of slacking. I'll write. I'll write the murder ballad. I have that in me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For, for some reason, I don't doubt you. Never actually written a song, but if I the first song I do write, it'll be about ending someone's life. Did you know that? Um, I hope I don't mess this up. There was like seventy-five murders in the city of Laredo last year. <laughs> that's, that's not, the band Laredo has not yet murdered. It's not supposed to any. be funny. I, sh- I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it was the timing. It was this timing. We uh, uh, we had the, when we came over the name. I I said we need to all know a bunch of like weird random facts about <laughs> statistics, Laredo, to just statistics and like other interesting things to say on stage. Uh, just just to like provide a little bit of uh, education to folks. Along yes, with I, I like it. Entertain and educate. So what are you going to do when you go to Laredo to play your first show there, and you have to quote statistics to the to the the citizens of Laredo and they're like, our unemployment rate is not that it's 6.44. <laughs> I, I'm I the kind wouldn't. of person I, I like to learn things about places and people when I go, when I travel. Yeah, uh, so that's why I love touring. So and we're traveling on stage. So we ask them, we ask them us. questions that way the next leg of the tour or whatever, we, we have more information to give out. Yeah. Wow. Y'all just, we just live and learn. You guys are blowing my mind on that, how involved this entire process is. We take oh, dude, music yeah. very seriously. <laughs> So, so homework assignment A. I need to learn. I need to learn the economic scale in the in the town of Laredo. And B. I need to send Aaron some hints on writing murder ballads. Yeah. yeah if anyone of, has uh, hints on writing murder ballads, just Cold War Aaron at Gmail dot com. Yeah, I there will you hook you up because I've got about sixty five of them started. Because for some reason, my wife has a belief that when we do co writes over here, that after we end up writing a song, we always end up either a writing a song about whores. Mm. Killing somebody or finding a dead body. And that's when she usually tells us to pack it up and in the night. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good subject matter. She's like, you wrote this song 15 times before and it wasn't good then. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> just wait, just wait. It's going to get better. Good, good is subjective. One of these are going to hit. Murder ballads are a funny thing. Cause I think everybody loves a good story song. Think about like some Reba, not that the lots went out in Georgia, some Chris Knight, stuff like that. Man, some of those songs get really dark. I think people like people like the um, the unpolished, uh, un I'm trying to think unwatered down expression of okay. of life that some musicians do so well. Like they have some people that write songs and they're great for whatever reason, but there's some musicians who write songs that are so personal and real in a very uncomfortable way that it makes it like this really beautiful thing. And even, even if it's about something really, really dark, like really, truly hating someone or having a murderous rage about something or being put in a situation that's awful. It's like just, just the fact that you're uh, a musician is willing to share that part of themselves. I think that's what a lot of people connect with when it comes to music. I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is. It's Boom. the old emotional connection. I've always said if, if a musician for me to like something, I have to know where they were at. 
I think of myself, I'm pretty much an empath. I, I can try and relate to people. I'm not like any kind of like super spiritual like that, but I can, I can generally find myself if I can relate to it in the position. And that's how I know what's good is if I can truly feel that moment. And that's that connection you're talking about. To me, that's what it is. You could have the best on time or loose pocket sounding band in the world where everyone's so technical, but if I can't relate to what your vibe is, I don't dig it. Yeah. I I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time connecting with bands that don't have lyrics or singers. Like it's, there's definitely some great bands out there that people love, but I think so much of what most people come to music for is, is a voice telling a lot of times telling a story or, you know, not telling a story like Wilco. A lot of the times it's just yeah. kind of words, but it's just there. Yeah. But that voice. Um, yeah. Well, it's the law of attraction. Yeah. I've never really been the best storyteller. A lot of the time I have to kind of dive deep and figure out what my song is. Maybe even after the fact, you know, I don't know. It's kind of, loose ended you know what i always say i always say that writing a song lyrically is kind of like building a puzzle yes. without looking at the box first so Ooh. you get your little outline you know you get like a little phrase that you like or something and you're like oh i'm gonna go off that that's how i know what the song's gonna be about you know because it's already wheels are turning and so you kind of already know and then you build it you're building you're getting more of a picture and then you know the bridge comes and you're like how do i bridge this gap here how do i make the chorus make sense with this and then before you know it you get you got your picture you got your song you know exactly what it is you know so that was that's kind of my interpretation of writing lyrics anyways i dig it thank you for sharing both of you guys um boom nailed it what was the what was the inspiration to uh monsters hmm. Was, no, that, that was there a, was there a seed line, a seed phrase that came up? That, yeah, I want to hear. I'm trying to remember the very first lyric that I wrote of that one. I think it was the chorus. Actually, it was uh, the payphone I lost on the last drive home, or whatever it was, whatever that line is. So I got you screaming in my head. I think that was the very first line I wrote of that song. But that one ended up just being it's just like a little piece of me. It's just like uh, so a, a lot of songs I try to write are kind of like. I try, I'll put myself in someone else's shoes or I think that one is just indefinitely, indefinitely in my own. It's a, I'd... and it's more or less just like an introduction to myself and to the band Laredo. I'd say you did a damn good job with it because that song, I told you the first time I heard it, I was like, what in the hell is this? I want more. Yeah. So how, how did you come across the band Laredo? Cause I was wondering about, there's a couple people that reached out and I was like, that's weird for someone like you to like listen to this baby band. We only have like a thousand views or something like that on our song. So I have a very uh, unique secret to how I find music. I'm an insomniac because I work nights at the day job. Process that phrase for a second. I work nights at the day job. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to say, but yeah. I like saying it. <laughs> that's cool. So when I get off work, the whole household is asleep. So most people, when they get off work, they go home and they do projects or things like that. Well, I can't necessarily stomp around the house or go into the shop and do things like that. So I sit down, throw headphones on, and I start scrolling through social media on anybody that's ever linked any music before of a band that I've never heard of. I don't necessarily go to my playlist that I'm going to listen to stuff regularly or somebody I know. I go on all social media platforms and look for something. I have no clue what it is. And I hit play. Listen the first two minutes. I either like it or I hate it. But at least it's two minutes of my life. 
And then, oh, hey, That's cool. what's this? And then I start. What grabbed you? <laughs> what made you uh, a listener? I just, I just want to know personally. I like to hear. I this feel like I, I feel like that song is really hard from the get go. It's just like instantly. Yeah. It's just like. I was trying to think how to describe it. So um, it does. It comes out super, super aggressive. And I think that's the first thing because it, and it didn't sound like anything else I'd listened to in the last two or three months. Mm-hmm. And then I think I told you, this sounds like a combination of, and I, I just rattled off like yeah. 10 different things that were in my head. And I was like, this feels like I should have been listening to this when I was in my twenties. Yeah. Cool. And so that was instantly what it was for me. I was like, I should have seen these guys playing at trees or curtain club in deep Ellum when I was in my twenties, just wandering around or at all these other clubs that are defunct now that, that that's what I should have heard. And then I really, I think I listened to it two or three times and I picked up on a couple different layers in the song. And I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. And, uh, really just really studying it and going, okay, this is unique. This is fun. Let's see. Let's, I want more. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's probably one of our m- more aggressive songs. We've written some other ones that are like, kind of upbeat and faster, but for the most part, we have more of like a, a more mellow tone too to us. We can kind of do both. We can kind of really jam, and then we can get, you know. I don't know what you're going to jam a little harder than that, unless <laughs> we start going into some rage like you were talking about, and we start playing some Sleep Now on the Fire. That's about the only yeah. thing I can think of that's going to go a little my harder. Favorite rage song right there. It's a brilliant song. I played oh, that. Good. I learned how to play that whole album when I was 17. That's and a, I practice it nonstop and I loved it. That's a great album. It's so good. It's really great. Well, this is going to be strange because it's not full band. Do you want to try and do monsters? I will absolutely try it. But it's great I, as an acoustic song. I came prepared because I'm actually doing it in a different key. Oh. So it's kind of like a more stripped down version. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. This is cool. I'm going to have to mute myself because I'm going to be over here singing along. I do that all the time. You can mute me too. Yeah. You drug the lake for your missing piece. I'm not the one you thought that I would turn out to be. I'm not a saint and I ain't a crooked man. Just enough so other people think that I'd care Got one more cigarette in my pocket Got some monsters hiding under my bed Oh, there's a bay phone on this long drive home So I got you ringing in my head I'm not your friend And I ain't your enemy just the ghost of everyone you wanted me to be I grabbed the rope, but I let it go Sometimes you gotta sink a little just to stay afloat Too overdrawn and nostalgic Turning out to be just like an old punk rocker The bad religion tea is waking up on Sunday only by mistake I drive a hundred miles Screaming in my face Got one more cigarette in my pocket Got some monsters hiding under my bed Oh, there's a pay phone on this long drive home So I got you ringing in my head 
Thank you, man. Ah, love that song. That's a fun one. That's a cool one. And I'm thankful that you did the. Oh, what the. <laughs> except for I had you on mute. I kind of ah. directed it towards his microphone. So okay, it'll pick it up. They may or may not be able to hear I it. I hope so. They'll go I back and listen yeah. to it. Yeah, I will. And that's, I love that in that song. Those are those little Easter eggs I was talking about. Love that. <laughs> Don't ever take those things out. I love them. <laughs> one of my favorite things is. Uh, Back when uh, Ragweed was like heavy into it, and they would always have their hidden tracks at the end of it, and their little just like randomness. Yeah. Let me let me tell you something, cucumber. Yeah, just random stuff like that. I love it. Um, my wife, I recently took her to go see Alanis Morissette. It's one of her favorite artists of all times. Alanis was playing with Garbage and Cat Power in uh, Dallas, um, and we generally don't like doing big, huge shows like that. Uh, but it just was amazing. And that hidden track for me, that was the first time I'd ever hit, heard a hidden track or like an Easter egg or something like that was uh, for Jagged Little Pill album. She had that, whatever that whisper at the end of it track. And she played, that's how she closed the show. I was like, that's the most cool thing ever. Mm-hmm. Of course, there was 30,000 people my age dressed like it was still 1996. And it was kind of weird. We'll change subjects on this now. It's it's wild to me. Yeah, like, I love Atlantis Morissette. Yeah, yeah. How many how many bands that you might not like care about or think about, but then you you hear or you see them play a show and there's like a hundred thousand people there, and then you realize like oh there's there's so many people in the world and they all have their own little tasted music. Yes, like it's it's completely disconnected from the current popular music. My favorite thing is like if when you find those musicians that you just you know they're so talented they're they're eventually going to be. You know they're going to have large audiences, mm-hmm. but you see them uh, at trees when there's like 200 people there, and it's the most magical thing in the world. I love that. It is. It's a. It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 love getting to see artists and bands in the infancy. That's my favorite time yeah. because there's no boundaries or no walls. Because sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get you get set in a way, and that's why. Oh man. Because uh, you were playing f- drums for Colton when he did the Thirsty Throwdown, correctly? Yeah. I remember that, too. <laughs> I was the judge for that. Did you know that? Oh, You're, yeah, really? I was the judge. Yeah. I mean, like six other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of which was not a huge fan of our music, I think, if I remember correctly. Very true. Yeah. Won't say who it was. I know who it is. Yeah. They sat to the left of me. I don't remember the names, but I, yeah, I remember being disappointed that we didn't walk away. What was the the prize for that? It was like a trailer or something? Dude, you got trailer, five song EP, $10,000 worth of uh, merch and da, 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 Would have been useful. Would have been good. <laughs> who, who did one win that? Do you remember? Nick Versosa. Where is Nick these days? Uh, so he did the live out. Al- you also got a live album out of it. Oh, yeah. He did a live album. Uh-huh. Uh, then he cut two other albums after that. 
And he and his wife now live McKinney-ish, that northern North Dallas area. Mm -hmm. She is a veterinarian, Mm -hmm. and he teaches first or second grade. Okay. And then still jams out on the weekends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. We just sidetracked. Sorry. I don't know. I'm not apologizing. This is what we do on a podcast. Hey, the side notes are where it's at. It is. Favorite Stephen King story, Aaron, start with you. Yeah. uh, Favorite. I remember, I remember when I was like 15, 16 years old, uh, I was reading Dreamcatcher. I was living in Weatherford, Texas. Okay. Reading Dreamcatcher. And I, I would, I would like, I, I think I was working at Domino's Pizza at the time. So I'd get off pretty late, you know, probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. Whole house would be asleep. Um, I'd be in the room in the dark, basically with a, with a lamp and I'm reading Dreamcatcher, and I'd be playing tool in the background, like the Inema album, uh, and lateralis. That's not the most ominous thing you could have ever done. Horrifyingly, uh, scary with, yes. when paired with Dreamcatcher, especially yes. like, you know, just the, 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 the snow and the, and the terror of that movie mixed with like the way tool makes music. And that's when I was like, I love the way Stephen King writes. So then from there, it was like pretty much every book he's ever done. Uh, I've read so far, but I'm, I'm trying to think of the standouts. Like that one was, that one was really great. The movie didn't, didn't work so well. Um, trying to remember. I don't know. There, there's been some other ones where like Stephen King's books are best when they, when they're like so real and yet they veer off into the totally like unreal. The girl who loved Tom Gordon. Um, I don't, I don't remember that one sticking out okay. to me. Yeah. And that's the good thing about Stephen King is he does cover a lot of ground. There's so many books, so many books. Yeah. Um, for me, um, favorite book, Dr. Sleep. That one was real good. Yeah. Dr. Sleep is probably high up there on one of my favorite Stephen King books. Um, all the Bachman books. Yes. I was going to say, I, I can't remember what those were called. Wasn't it the, um, uh, different season. Um, there was one, it's not the, like the automator or there's like something, it's like these, the regulators, the regulators, I think, yeah. um, that's paired with desperation, desperation. Yeah. Both of those were just super weird books. One of the uh, latest Stephen King novels mentions the old 97s on a t-shirt. And I don't know this cause I follow Rhett Miller on Twitter. Was that, uh, wasn't the Institute, was it? Uh, I it might remember. be. But you know he's done really that like several that. times before too, with the old Would 97s like, or just, no, just different bands. Oh, really? Oh, mentioning yeah, that's one of the things I love about him. He he inserts those little like details that really like okay, yeah, like that it makes it feel real. So that's kind of like uh, a long term goal for me is to be mentioned in a Stephen, Stephen King, King novel. novel. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I can die happy. happy. Uh, what is it in Doctor Sleep? He says uh, as the brood is cruising down the highway, bobbing their heads to boys from Oklahoma, roll their joints all wrong. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. It's like page 63 or 64 in the book. And I'm like, oh, it's ragweed. (laughs) Know that. I know that reference. That's dope. No pun intended. Ah, good good one. Hey, Hey, yo, what about you? What's your favorite? My favorite Stephen King book? Yeah. Man, you caught me off guard on this one. I have to say, uh, I didn't really read a full Stephen King novel, but... um, They're long. There was one, a smaller one that I actually almost finished. And uh, it was about a girl. I can't remember what the name is. It's the girl about, who loved Tom Gordon. I don't think so. No, <sighs> but I know which one. But there's a. It's, she's lost in the woods, 
Yeah, that's the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Is that Gordon. the one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because all she has is a Walkman and she can listen to Tom Gordon. Yeah, that's Gordon. the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really good. I, I need to get around I to finishing that one. This. And then my uh, my mom has always tried to get me to read The Stand. You need to. I'm like, that's like such yeah. a long... <laughs> that, one, that book is scary. It's super long and... <laughs> that is an adventure. It, uh, okay, now here's what's going to make it even worse. Think about what's going on in the world right now, then go read The Stand. Yeah. Oh, it's a perfect oh. time to read The Stand. I would highly encourage anyone right now to read The Stand. And you'll go, he wrote this how many decades ago? Right. Do you have it? Do you have The Stand? Um, I don't know. I go through, I buy a lot of books, and then I sell them after I read them if I don't think I'm going to read them. I still again. got two of his. Because after on. a while, when you have like 300 books and you're trying to move, it's books are heavy. You see that shelf that's in the heavy. kitchen, right? Yeah, that's it. We yeah, got yeah, yeah. That's a third. Yeah. I want to give you a, a tip, buddy, on moving with books. Don't <laughs> suitcases. Oh, Put yeah. your books in a suitcase and roll that thing out of there. Yeah, no, that's what I need to do. Yeah, we're not moving until I can hire movers. <laughs> I'm. I, I've never hired movers. Hired movers before. I will do that this time. Highly advise it. I have a desk in my office. We'll we'll check it out off off air. It was the secretary for the American Legion or something like that's desk from the 1940s. So it's solid steel on the size of this right here. It took four of us to get it in the house. <sighs> that's gnarly. I will yeah. never, I mean, unless I hire movers, that's it's staying. No, it's not because I want it because it's an amazing desk. But So yeah, Stephen King has some great ones. The funny thing is when you start going and reading his short stories, man, mm-hmm. I think it's a different season as the one that has that was turned into four movies. Yeah. Uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, the mm-hmm. body, which became stand by me, um, maximum overdrive and apt pupil, apt pupil all came from that book. That's crazy. I did not know that. And yeah, it's been a while since I read that one, but yeah, question. Mm-hmm. Have y'all heard of Joe Hill? Mm. Yeah. His son. Yes. That's his son. And he, he, he makes uh, graphic novels. Um, the one that I read like two or three of the, of the graphic novels were um, lock and key. Have you ever heard of lock and key? They have a Netflix series on it now and it's pretty good. Making a note of this. It's lock wild and key. how much L-O-C-K-E. he looks like his dad. It's about the lock family. Okay. Joe looks exactly like his dad. It's wild. That is really crazy. Wow. But yeah, he, he dedicates every uh, novel to his mother. So he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want people to know that that's his son, but so yeah, Tabitha, correct? I think so. Yeah, yes. she's a good writer too. She is. Is she? I haven't read anything from her. Read one of the books. Joe Hill. Joe rides a motorcycle too, so he's cool. Does he? By the way, uh, Aaron <laughs> rode up on here in a motorcycle. I've on wanted, a motorcycle I've, in a motorcycle. Wanted a Honda Shadow since I was fifteen, and last year was finally like the first time where I could pull it off. Yeah, financially. Well, he and, done got that, and I got that, and he manifested that, that. It's a pretty bike. It's a. It's great. Blacked out. <laughs> nice so yeah. pretty uh, i need to put some black pipes on it but yeah you do one of these days one of these days yep caffeine as an addictive drug or substance <laughs> God, I love it. yeah i knew we were gonna get to this point because <laughs> uh you i have a history in, with caffeine i worked in coffee for almost nine years i worked for the enemy we call him the enemy now you know it's, you know which company i'm talking about right 100 you don't have to talk about it because they're not paying me so we don't have to talk about it yeah. the name. when we talk about it we just can't say the name um i didn't always work for the enemy but um yeah that's where my my coffee career died died with the enemy and now i don't drink that coffee anymore but uh 
you know, I still drink coffee heavily. Well, did until recently, like I'd say really maybe the last like month, I've really tried to cut out caffeine um, for no real reason other than like I spend too much money on it. <laughs> it's <laughs> expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a little coffee shop connected to, I work at HEB. Um, and there's a coffee shop there called Coffee Grinder. Shout out all those yeah. guys there. Zach works there. I spent 10 bucks there today. 11 bucks. It's easy to, yeah. I mean, I drink, I drink like three coffees a day, like every single one of my break. I'd go get a coffee. Oh. And so it'd be like, you know, three, six, nine, yeah, $10 every single day on coffee. And it was times just like, five, hey, I can't. Times four. Yeah, in exactly. In a month, you spend 150 bucks. Like a year, I, it was mind blowing how much money I was blowing on. You could coffee. have you a Honda Shadow if you didn't spend that money on coffee. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I mean, to call you out like that, I'm just telling you that there is a possibility you would have had another Honda. You could afford a house if you didn't buy all that coffee. Dude, I know. And that's so, that's why uh, I don't know about I, that. I had to do it. And I just had such a, I feel like a dependency to it. And it was just it's a like, drug. Caffeine like, is a drug. I felt like I couldn't even go into work without having a coffee first. And it was just like, dang. But now it's, um, I feel like it's starting to smoothen out now. I don't get headaches and stuff anymore. So it was a lot easier to stop than I, I thought because I've been drinking for so long. I was like, I'm never going to stop drinking coffee. You know, I'd love it. But uh, here we are. I actually, I mistakenly drank caffeine before I got here today. So I got in and was just like wired. Palms are sweaty and stuff. I, I and I threw you some light caffeine. That's okay. It's just a little bit. It's I green still, tea. I can still take the heat. You know? It's green tea, so it's healthier than big old cup of what I drank when I first woke up this morning, which was a pot of the enemy's breakfast blend. <laughs> I just had it in the house, so I had to drink it because that's what happens when you keep that stuff around the house. I'm gonna give a little. Uh, this is just my opinion. I don't really know. It's just my theory, I should say. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm allowed to have them. Okay. Uh, so I think Starbucks. Dang, it's fine. Drop the name. Man. It's fine. It's all right. Don't crucify me, Starbucks drinkers. Uh, they, I think they over roast their beans on purpose. And I'll tell you why. Have you on ever purpose? If you haven't, if you haven't drank Starbucks and you're used to having like a regular cup of coffee in the morning, you might taste that starbucks tastes like burnt i've I've heard this from so many customers like hey i think this is like old coffee i'm like no it's like brand new they call it charbucks because it tastes burnt i think that they do it on purpose so that the more you drink starbucks the more you get accustomed to having that over roasted taste that texture almost no other coffee tastes good unless you're drinking starbucks but I think it's they over roast the beans on purpose for that reason. I could be wrong. That's just a, interesting. Like, here's a here's a life hack. Um, Starbucks Americanos, Americanos, us Americanos, yeah, Americanos, yeah, Americano. Like I know where it originated from too. It's better. It's better than their coffee. Don't get their drip coffee. Don't and don't buy the sugar drinks either. Yeah, it's terrible. Don't do that. They're bad for you. Oh, I don't do those. There's a lot of crap in those drinks. Yeah. Oh, there is a ton. Of do you there. know where the name Americano came from? No. Uh, mm-hmm. In coffee. Uh, it came from, so in World War II, uh, soldiers that were overseas and stuff, they wanted just regular coffee, like drip coffee. Well, they couldn't get it because it wasn't around over there. And so what they did, they, they only had espresso. So what they did was they took espresso and they diluted it with just, you know, regular hot water to make it kind of emulate a, you know, drip it's coffee. A, yeah, and like they better coffee. slapped the name Americano on it. And yeah. there it is birth of the uh, americano 
Interesting. I drank a lot of those when we were playing shows like in West Texas or East Texas where there's no like coffee shops around. Just go to Starbucks. That's the only option other than terrible gas station. And uh, you get an Americano. You telling me you're not a, fu- a fan of seven like hour old or seven day old gas station coffee? I remember one time in Amarillo before we went up to playing with Colton, before we went up to Denver and Wyoming for the first time, I stopped at a gas station and got coffee. And it was the first time I'd had coffee so bad that I threw it away as soon as I walked out of the gas station. <laughs> it was, uh, it was like back when the, 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 it was like a mix, like the, basically a machine mixed uh, like powder oh, and, and, yes. and, and not and quite and not quite hot water. And it was, I was desperate, but I was so disgusting. I was like, it, it would be better to not have this. I <laughs> threw it in the trash can. I said, I wanted coffee. Ah, lots of great coffee in Denver and Laramie. Thankfully. There he is. I'm, I go through phases. So like I said, when it's cold, I love coffee when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Like people who, who can drink coffee on the daily, I can't do that. That's just not me. But when it's cold, oh, I will love some coffee. And, I, and it's not just drip. I like good coffee, fresh roasted, things like that. But And I'm kind of similar with you. I'll get, I'll get a little jittery mm-hmm. if I drink too much of it. But I am a hot tea guy. Yeah. Like very... Excuse me, in very much into hot tea because I, I stay up at night writing a lot. I'm a I am a perpetual uh, procrastinator on finishing books. I've got several that I've started. And I just haven't finished them because I've got writer's ADHD. I can't. Yeah. I just go to a different story. And when I'm up late at night, I like to have like some really bold flavors, some naturals, like some cinnamon and oh, like yeah. a black tea, just a really bold flavor, and slowly sip it, or like a Zen tea or something mm-hmm. like that. So. As but, a writer, as a songwriter, I think, or as a uh, singer, really think, you know, you kind of got to like, got to like hot tea. The throat coat. But I'm not, yeah, throat coat. That's, that's kind of my go-to. But yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not even the biggest tea drinker. My wife's the tea drinker. I like it, but I don't make it enough. I don't know why. She's a big tea drinker. I make it for her all the time. And it's a process. Like there, there is very specific ways to brew a cup of tea the right way. You don't just get hot water and throw a tea bag in there. Yeah, there's that's what I do. <laughs> there's a very specific way you're, you should steep it in the I way you know, should do it. I do not know this. Okay. So look at, Let you me know, in on this science. All right. So we're about to do it. So the average coffee cup size. Yep. Look what I have right here. If you look at the standard saucer that you get when you buy plates, like a round saucer, the bottom of a saucer will fit over the top of this. The idea is, is if you do the the honey or something, you put the honey in first and then you mix the water with the honey to make sure it's diluted properly. Then you should, like this one did wrong. This was just in the fly. You throw the tea bag in there and you put the saucer over the top of it and let it steep. And because it's going to create almost like a percolating type of scenario in there, interesting. it's going to trap the moisture on the top and force it back down into it. It's going to cause it to steep better. So for five minutes, you throw that over the top of it, take the plate off, let the bag, bag yep. Squeeze out just a little bit. You don't want to like all the juice and stir it twice. Perfect cup of tea every time. Oh, that's a good life hack. I I always keep the bag in. I there heard somewhere like that you were supposed to extra with it. Put the bag in and then pour the hot water on top of that, like directly on the bag. You should so like, if you're going to do it, but it it also depends. Yeah. Like if you're going to do like I do a very thick local honey is what goes in here. So you want that to go in there. Now you can also do it, and that's just that's my preferred way of doing mm-hmm. it. But you should always have. Like these flat bags aren't the way it should be. Have you ever seen uh, like an IHOP when you ask them for a, a cup of 
of hot tea, they bring you those like triangular shake mm-hmm. bags. Yeah. That's so you can pour the hot water over the top of it and it'll percolate through there better. Yeah. I wonder what those, I thought they were like for loose, loose leaf tea. It, that, that, that's how you're supposed to make it. Yeah. yeah. And because the bag will allow the leaves to settle all the way on the bottom versus just like these are just a tiny little, you're trying to get the hot water in there. That's what it's supposed to be. It's the whole idea. Like with a French press. Yeah. With I coffee. Love, it's the I same. It's the exact same science behind it, but for what, it's common usage for tea bags nowadays. That's how you should do it. You should get the boiling hot water, mix it with the honey, let the, let the plate on top, five minutes, a couple stirs, you're there. So little story here. So I went to Europe with uh, to go record some music with a friend. This was back in like 2015. One thing I noticed there that they all have that I haven't seen over here in the States like much at all, really. But they all have these little... Wa- these like instant water boilers. Mm-hmm. You've seen those before. Mm-hmm. I know it's it. so bad. Do you just like put it on this little thing, put the water in there, like press on and it just instantly, almost like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Well, you talking about an, not an electric kettle. It, it's, no, like, it's not. It's, it's like so? smaller version of yeah, an electric kettle. That sounds awesome. But it's yeah, like instant. Take wow. it off and then you got tea for everyone. Well, that's because they drink tea. Yeah, they drink a lot of tea. A lot of tea. A lot of tea. And they, I'm not even going to lie, they have better coffee out there too. They have a different way of uh, of drinking their coffee. They don't like our coffee. I had a guy say, he went to the States, he had coffee, and he was like, blah, this is gross. Uh, he, he thinks it's like, you know, tastes like muddy water or something. Theirs is like actually like coffee. Like they keep, so we call it a Turkish blend here or a Turkish, uh, uh, Turkish grind. They basically take espresso and they grind it really fine and it sits on the bottom of the cup and they just pour water over it. And it's kind of like loose leaf tea. They just, it's just in there. And then when you get down to the bottom, you just pour out the grinds and stuff, but it's a really robust, like really thick cup of coffee. I'd be That's what I drink out there. Yeah. Went to experience this sometime. It's crazy. It's good stuff though. Recommend it. Absolutely. So you, you sent me a sing, uh, a new single or a new song idea a couple weeks ago. And since you've been talking about how the, the difference in the sound, it's not all the dynamic hard driving like monsters was. And this was a complete departure from that. And I told you, I greatly appreciated the sound and I'm completely slipping on the name of the song right now. Shoreline. Shoreline. Thank you. Thank that, you. In that, and by the way, that is the new single coming out. And by the time people hear this podcast, that song will have been out, been released. So go check out our single. It's called Shoreline. You can listen to it everywhere. Boom. Awesome. Fly playing it? Absolutely. Yes. Let's do it. Make sure you hit that pedal down there too. Uh, By the way, I think I had the pedal hit. It's fine. (laughs) It'll be fine. That's going to make a difference. It's fine. I will make it work. Shipwreck Waiting 
to happen Jesus can't save them all They all are having too much fun Ain't no hope for the dreams these days No more shame left to hide And no pride left to gain And I just want to swim to her shoreline Honey lies, honey lies, honey lies Help shelter my pain Shine a light, shine a light, shine a light I'm begging you, babe Coming home, coming home, coming home, coming home And I'll wash up alongside her shoreline Thank you so much. Absolutely. So with so much diversity in tone and, and melody with what you guys are bringing to the table currently, and I genuinely appreciate where it has gone because I think you guys are blending things. And I'm not necessarily going to say a 100% unique way because everybody finds it different, but your <clears throat> the product that your delivery is there because it is so, so diverse in what you guys' background is and listening. And both of you not being new to the music business – but this is a band in its infancy. What is something that you're going to give advice wise, or you're going to tell them what's that one thing that people don't know when they're starting to go from I'm playing in my buddy's garage in the backyard to go into the studio for the first time. I'm going to go play my first live show. What's that one thing that you want to tell that guy or girl out there that they're, they're ready to make that next step. Well, first you got to love what you do like through and through. If you don't have the love for you know writing music or storytelling and just getting out there and like having the tenacity to just go out there and like you know make something of yourself or like share your music well then you're not you know you're you're already kind of coming coming from the wrong place so but and also um being prepared too i think that's really really important so like if you're going to go in the studio make sure you have your odds and ends figured out 
um, which is what we're still working on as a band. You know, we don't have it all figured out, so to say, but you know, we have some material and we're kind of, we're kind of, we're getting there, you know? Do you ever really have it all figured out though? No. The more I'm, more I go, the more that is like clearly apparent to me that I don't, I don't always have it figured out, you know, I'm learning as I go. I'll add, I'll add on to what, what he's saying. Um, you really have to love every part of the process. Um, yeah. I think, you know, when I was younger, I always thought it was like, Oh man, if we could just like, if we get to get an album out, which is like B side, uh, be, you know, you get know, signed to a, get signed to a record, play like a really great show, uh, have like thousands of fans, like get to tour, you know, get to do this full time, make a living from it. I had all these, I had all these long-term goals and that was, and that was really good to have, you know, but but what I realized is that, and now especially it's more apparent to me, you have to love every single piece that goes into the bigger picture. Like sitting with a couple of your friends on a Tuesday night in the in a living room with, with a couple of guitars and a, and a small drum kit and just working on songs, working on a live performance, um, going to play shows where maybe there's not 300 people that yeah, are seeing. We were maybe. just talking about this before we came out there. Yeah. Maybe like maybe you're going to go play for 10 people at a bar somewhere. Yeah. You have to you have to treat that and appreciate that just as much as when you get to the point to where, you know, your 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 songs get streamed 20,000 times in the first, you know, the first week or something. Like that that seems like such a uh uh, such like a, Oh, I wish we could get there super quick. You're not going to get there unless you, um, unless you really appreciate it and, and can enjoy all the rest of it. I mean, you could get there if you don't enjoy it, but like, just, just try to try to understand that everything plays into a bigger picture and it's a slow growth process for, for being, for most musicians, you're gonna, you're gonna work really hard for years and yeah. years and years. Uh, and you're going to have a lot of like, you're going to have a lot of bad times or missteps or setbacks. Um, and it's just all, it all part, like it's music is a part of life, which is an ongoing, like continuous thing. It's yeah. not a, there's not an end point that you get to where you feel like you've made it or you've accomplished every, everything. Um, it's just more about what I, what I always tell my friends is like, are you making consistent progress at something okay. that's mm-hmm. moving you towards what you want to do? Are you having a good time with it? And then, um, you know, like, are you just, are you in it? Are you, are you like f- being present for the creation of the music, the performance of the music, and then everything else that happens in life that ties into uh, what you create, what you sing, what you play, well, how, you, how you perform? You got to love that process. I think that is, thank you both for sharing that opinion. I, I genuinely appreciate it. I think we're in such an instant gratification culture right now. Yeah. We're in the, um, Everything has to happen. Oh, you mean I play? I practice guitar for two weeks. Oh, I need to have a record deal. I think it's, a lot of that gets glossed over. And hearing you guys talk about how that process, how important that process is, yeah, I think it's extremely important. It can be eye-opening, and then it can be detrimental to anyone that's playing music. You know, it, th- it can really make or break you. It, like that thought process. If if you want things instantly. Look, look elsewhere, buddy. Like you're going to have a hard time, you and, know? And if you get it instantly once or twice, then you know, uh, no other way, but that expectation. And then, so I think to your point, when that letdown does happen, 
you don't know how to handle it. And to your point, you haven't put the time in to understand it either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is like, I've, from the time I was 18 to 26, I was touring on the road 24 seven in my old emo pop punk bands, you know? And, uh, we were to the point where we were selling out shows in, in, uh, you know, in Virgi- Richmond, Virginia, places like having 200, 300 kids show up in New York city out in Brooklyn. So like, we we worked for a long time building that and we we gained traction you know we i had that following there for a little bit and now like i'm redoing it but i'm so thankful for it because i realized like this was the fun time this is the fun time that was lost back whenever like you know we had been out on the road for you know 100 150 days out of the year you know and it just just became jury miss home like stuff like that you get tired but, man like, we, it's tiring we really enjoy being like just having that moment to just get in the room and practice. Like how often do we get to do that? Like not that often I got kids and stuff, you know? So every practice that we have, that's like for like two hours, three hours is like a blessing. Like it feels like great to be there. And so like there's little moments like that where you really just have to like, just be thankful for along the way, like those little, so we're not looking to like right now, our goal, I mean, yeah, maybe one day we don't, we're not, there yet but like to be signed and, and all that like that's not on our radar right now like good we just want to write good music good you know good i think i think so many people today don't understand the pursuit of writing good music versus writing a hit yeah right i want to hear good music good music doesn't always mean it's a hit some of the some of exactly. my songs i consider to be the best songs will never be hits they're they're deep cuts mm-hmm. yeah dude, but exactly. at the same time some hits that I should say, well, that's a really good song. I don't like, I'm not knocking Nashville. I'm not knocking any type of thing. That's not where I'm saying. I'm just saying as a listener, a consumer of music, I want to get back to intelligent music, not, not just intelligent lyrics, intelligent music. And I think that a lot of, and it lends credence to the culture we're in today. We just want, um, the most appealing thing we can get right at this moment. And it's only going to be good for this day. Because it's not flavor of the week anymore; it's flavor of the day. Yeah, in everything. Yeah, it is. It, you, it it takes off and dies off just as quickly, you know. Did y'all see the social dilemma documentary? Scared I haven't watched that, but I'm I'm f- very familiar with the whole. Uh, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, I turned every single notification on my phone off because yeah. of that. Yeah. Because I realized, like, I watched it, and I was like, that's not really happening. And then I opened up my screen time, and I went, holy shnikes, Batman. I really am addicted to this thing. I'm down 19% on my screen time right now. Um, 16, I'm 16% down this week. And I've had, a, I've had a steady decline for over a month. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten to this as the habit now, face down. Oh, yeah. I just try to put it away. The only reason I have t- touched it since we've been here is I've got a musician coming up from Austin right now. He's going, how do I get there? How do I get there? Oh, I'm running late. Okay, cool. Whatever. It's all good, man. We're, we're in the middle of it. Just drive up here. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me right now. Cause I know I'll be looking at it. it I'm that it, kind of guy. I know my wife would be mad. She's listening to me right now. She's like, you're on your phone all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I love it, especially for this. Cause um, I'm a, we talked podcast, you know, I'm a huge Rogan fan because I love young Jamie on there. I oh, think yeah. he's the greatest, he's, he's the greatest person ever because he knows he is the fastest person I've ever seen. Look anything up yeah. in my life and have the information in front of you. They're like, so we were talking about, and before they get the word out, he's like, yeah, 
it's like already there. And he's like, Oh, and by the way, guys, just to let you know that it's a 20 story building and it has an you know, occupancy of this and that and that. And he already knows all the information. Young Jamie, young Jamie, God bless him. He's a great guy. But I come into the fear that I'm going to do the same thing when we get into a subject and like, I'm sitting here trying to remember something. Oh, I'll just look it up. And then I realize, well, I, we lose the translation of the conversation when I do that. So I have to continue to push this away from me. Uh, Aaron, you said you had a request for one of y'all's new songs. Oh yeah. I wanted Lucas to play plane crash. We've yeah. been, this is, this is a song we've, he, I don't know when he first brought it to us, but, um, our last ago. couple, not that long ago, our last couple practices, we've been hashing through it and it's turning out like really great. And I love when that happens for, for bands and songs. There's been multiple moments like that over the years. Uh, this is our bread and butter right now. Yeah. So what, so talk to me through your process. Cause I mean, Aaron, I know you, um, you've been in several bands and you've done this a lot. So with the creative process, especially you playing drums, mm -hmm. you're, you're the, you're the gatekeeper. I like to say you're, yeah. you, you control, you control temple pocket, everything. And I know you said you're a big backbeat guy, yep. which I appreciate that. Thank you. That's, yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people don't understand what the backbeat is, mm -hmm. but they can feel it. Oh yeah. You know it when you feel it in a song. Pocket, man. Yeah. Pocket, yeah. So talk to me like your, your process. Like, so he's bringing the song to you as a group. How are you finding that group? Yeah, no, th this is how it's been since I was, since I started playing when I was 12, 13 years old and started playing with people, um, I don't, I'm not creative when it comes to coming up with melodies or song ideas, like, uh, like, you know, what the song's going to be about or what the lyrics are going to be about. But when I hear a piece of music, I can almost instantly grasp, um, what the, what the singer is trying to convey with the music when it comes to both in like an, on an intellectual and then a spiritual and then an emotional, like all these different layers, I grasp what they're trying to do. And then I, I hear and feel ways to emphasize that with drums. So that, that's like, that's, that's how I approach songs. Someone brings me a song and I can, okay, from the, from the get go, you're like, I kind of know that the basic beat, you know, feel, feel the beat. Yeah. 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 And then, but then it goes, I go deeper than that. It's like, okay, where does this song go? Um, how does it build? Does it, does it have a sense of momentum? You don't always have to have that, but I love it when you can get a song that's, that's dynamic. You know what I like when it comes to music and like writing music in general is, uh, well, not, not generally, but just the music part is it can also tell a story without words. Like I think the two different stories going on. I feel like every every uh, every part to a song is almost like a scene in a movie. You know, you want to have different parts. You want to have, you know, you gotta set it up for the ending. Um, yeah, James Taylor's "Fire and Rain." When you hear the guitar intro, it sets a complete mood for what's happening. Yeah, and it has, and even if you've never heard the song before, you understand that there is a somber emotion about to come to you, mm -hmm. but and also an lightning emotion, and just just from the way he plays those first couple notes at the beginning. So I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I approach songs. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I don't do it a lot, but if I hear a song where I'm like, you know what, that bridge that doesn't work for some reason, or we need to have like something needs to be changed about this to like add a little bit of texture or make it a little more interesting. Time change put or some, something. Uh, put some, uh, uh, put some spy, like not spy. Uh, put some frosting on the cake. Like, okay. It's a, it's a song. It's pretty good, but it just needs a little bit of extra something. Sometimes that's like a little tag coming out of a chorus or it's like a little pre-chorus or it's like uh, just a whole different part in the middle for the bridge. Um, 
I, you know, I hear those things occasionally and then I'll, and I'll throw suggestions out there, but yeah, above all, I'm, I'm trying to serve this song and I'm trying to make the song feel really good and also amplify whatever the emotion or, and the feeling of the song was in the first place. And I, I feel like you can, as a drummer, you really have a lot of, uh, control over that. And yeah. that's why, like I always say, I love all musicians, but to have a great rock and roll band, I feel like you need a really great singer songwriter and then a really good drummer. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Those, are the, those are the two things that really make a band. So would you say for you, music is a passionate obsession? Uh, yes. Okay. Good answer. Smart answer. <laughs> yeah. I've been like, you know, it's, it's been my favorite thing since I was old enough to put my ear next to a speaker. So you're passionately obsessed, passionately obsessed. Yeah. Passionately okay. obsessed. Yeah. I bring everything back to music always. So good. Lucas? I, think I just, I think I just fucking love it, man. Yeah. I just, I'm in love with it. Like, I think I wouldn't call it. Well, maybe it is. It's hard to, it's hard. It's hard to kind of identify what it is, but maybe it is. Maybe a little it is more obsession. of an obsession for me. I think Yeah, maybe it is a, a passion, <laughs> but I think maybe more of an obsession. I feel like it's like a, do you think about music every single day? Do you wake up with Every it on your mind? waking second of my life, I feel mm, like. Then it's an obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong or right answer to that question. I just love that question because I can see in a person's face when they're talking about it, and it's a genuine response. Man, I'm passionately obsessed. Most most people who are into arts are passionately obsessed with it. Yeah. What's the difference between passion and obsession? obsession? So, and I don't, I've got the big dictionary. We can look it up. But <laughs> an obsession, in my <laughs> opinion, an obsession genuine is. Genuine question. An obsession is something you cannot stop thinking about or you think about all the time. Gotcha. It occupies the majority of your time. I am obsessed with music. Yeah. And I can be at work, doesn't matter. There's going to be a beat. There's going to be a, something's going to be going on. A passion is something that drives you. I am passionate about podcasting. I had no idea that it was something that I was going to enjoy this much doing. And so when I do it, there's an enlightenment almost. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think about doing podcasts 24 seven. Like I do music. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. All right. Cause like, cause why are you podcasting? It's like, I'm podcasting. I am podcasting to fulfill my obsession with music. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. And that's why it's some form or fashion in the last 13 years. I've been involved in the music industry between production, co-writing interviews, music journalism, all that, because I have to be attached to it some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just as being a fan, I have to be attached to the industry. Now, well, as as a as you are a fan to like, you know, music, I am a fan of you. I'm a personal fan of you. I love listening to podcasts, you know. Well, thank you. I like that there are people out there like you mm-hmm. making people, you know, uh in a putting people in a good light and and uh you know, being being able to have that outlet to be able to express what it is we're all about. Yeah. How, how we, uh, what, why it is the reason why we do what we do. So. I think, cause I was in terrestrial radio for so long and it's not a knock on terrestrial radio. It serves its purpose, but there's so much about the depth of a band or an artist or an individual that is lost in terrestrial radio because you have 16 minutes to get the point across and you have parameters on what language you're allowed to use. You Mm -hmm. have so much topic that you have to cover that you have radio questions and very specifics because you have to hit on those points because it's okay. Now we've got to get to the sponsor. Now we've got to get to this song and we got to do this podcasting. I don't have to do that. We get to explore all the avenues of what you are, what makes you tick, what makes your music, because I think that's important. People want to know. Yeah. 
if I could have known more about Eddie Vedder in the nineties and, you know, know what I know not about him as an individual in the nineties versus just being able to open and look at the liner notes to the 10 album or the versus album. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan and I did yeah. not know enough about him back then. I could see interviews on MTV. I might read something in Rolling Stone or Vibe magazine. We didn't have the internet in 94 to be able to go Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam. Yeah. It didn't exist. I mean, there was, I'm sure there was, you know, boards out there that talked about it, but it didn't. So, now that we get a chance to do this, let people know what you guys are about, what drives you, what makes you, you talking about how much you enjoy music and being able to express it in what I call the four legs of music, spiritual, emotional, physical, and uh, mental, mm -hmm. uh, being able to talk about it and you talking about all the fun stuff sitting here in your NoFX t-shirt. By the way, love that. Thank you. It's, it's my favorite band. Great band. <sighs> Great band. I bring it. But I mean, this is, this is what I think is important about it because I, I think you can listen to music listen to music, listen to songs. But if you really want to know and you want to really understand it, find out about the people. Yeah. Yeah. To bring it back to your question about advice to, um, young musicians too, I'd say that there's an emphasis on like quick gratification, posting pictures, posting short things, these long form things, whether it's a, a, a long piece that you write, a, a song that you record, an album that you make, a podcast that you do, that stuff will move the needle for you in your career much more than just like posting some pictures of yourself or any of those like Agreed. quick and easy things that, that you can do to get instant gratification and approval on social media. Like go in depth as much as you can um, and, 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 you know, don't don't get caught in the trap of thinking that just because you have so many followers or you're getting so many likes on a picture that it actually means something to someone. This the deeper stuff is is really where it's at. Yeah. Uh, again, watch the social dilemma. Yeah, it's the truth. Yep. Yeah, because you're right. Th those clicks. I mean, yeah, cool. Somebody can like your picture on Instagram or do that, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to show up at a show and buy your merch yeah. and go to a repeat show. They just be like, oh, whatever. They might stream a song one time. Doesn't mean they're going to download it. Low, low effort, uh, low effort, low reward. Maybe. Yeah. Effort return. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we got really sidetracked talking about that song. So let's, let's hear the requested. I'm interested in this one because I don't know this one. The song's called plane crash. Plane crash. It's good. I'm going to take this off. Absolutely. Just don't destroy your guitar. Yeah. Right. in your face reminds me back home like when I first met you all them years ago them years you said we see Colorado ain't got much to spend but we had time to blow getting the edge now to learn how to fly check my propellers do my best not to die and you weren't there for me when my plane crashed down what goes around may always come around what goes around may always come around i heard all about your mama in Boston Bet she wished she taught you Way more than she did Like heaven and highways Ain't much 
much of a difference Not money and bars And being forgotten Getting the edge Now to learn how to fly Check my propellers Do my best not to die And you weren't there for me When my plane crashed down What goes around May always come around what goes around may always come around All I know is this Karma ain't the only bitch Dead to me and I'm over it, over it I know what you did I don't owe you shit Thought I loved you but I'm over it, over it Do my best not to die And you weren't there for me When my plane crashed down What goes around may always come around What goes around may always come around Hopefully I burn this old town to the ground Oh, what goes around may always come around May what goes around always come around. Yeah, that's kind of like yeah. the idea I was going for. You'd, you'd have to be like, may what goes around always come around. Exactly. That's a hot one. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's fresh off the press. Wait till, and wait till you hear it like with, with Zach playing guitar and the drums that are on it. Because yeah, like, I throw some sick some sick beats on top Ooh, of it. It's hot. It's, it's spicy. It's real good. I like it. Yeah, I like it. That bridge is... <laughs> I, I, so here's the thing when I, so okay the song's about the song's about karma you know someone doing you dirty yeah and uh and I was trying to think of what is the best way what is the best couple sentences I can think that will like encapsulate the essence of karma and I was like that's that's what I did I like, I karma ain't the only bitch. bitch yeah karma ain't the only Ooh, bitch yeah. I'm just letting you know I'm calling you yeah. you Karma ain't the only bitch. I mean, the only bitch. It made me laugh the first time. The first time I heard I, that I line, love it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. I got me a new anthem next time. I'm pissed <laughs> off at somebody. Man, that's good. I think I think you boys are onto something. I think there's some heat here. Yeah. Um, thank you. Greatly appreciate it. Dude, thank you. Um, thank you for coming and talking. I know Sunday giving up a little bit in the afternoon to come over here. I greatly appreciate it. We've been sitting here rambling on for the better part of an hour and a half. And it's just, it's fun. I want to do this again soon. After we get some of the, some of the new music out, we'll come back and revisit it. Um, but with this program, what I did off mic, off the record is the first half, it, I was always asked for 13 years in radio. Hey, when you guys go to commercial break or you're at a show and you're in the green room and you're backstage, what do you talk about? What we just did for the last 90 minutes. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no direction. Conversations just 
jet off in a million different directions. And I think it's very important to share that with an audience because that's that peek behind the curtain that most people don't have the opportunity to be the wallflower, to be the fly on the wall, because there is no magic um, Motley Crue-esque thing that happens when you say, oh, I'm going to go backstage. I'm going to be the one here to tell you backstage is not exciting. Yeah, you're going to find someone in like a little chair just curled <laughs> up in a ball just trying to sleep probably. <laughs> you know? Catch me on my laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and everyone's going to be in workout shorts and, and soccer slides. And we're going to be talking about where food service is and where the clean restroom is. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what's going on. Backstage is not glamorous. Now, I'm sure you get to some Staples Center shows and things like that. There's probably some cool stuff going on. But definitely in the grand scheme of things, we're all just playing catch up, being normal people. Mm-hmm. Wishing we were the ones in the audience. Yep, that's the one. The second half of this was off the record. I've always been fascinated with new music. And new music doesn't mean new music out into the cosmos. It's new music to me. Me finding new music, something I didn't know, something original, something unique, something that's special to the to the songwriter, to the band, to the artist. I've always had an affinity and a fascination with that song that you hear maybe at a campfire, maybe in somebody's living room on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. that, hey, guys, um, I want to play something for you. And maybe it's something that sat in the bottom of the guitar case. It's that bottom drawer song, the back of the notebook, that one that's hung around for a long time. And it doesn't have legs yet, but it does. It maybe it'll find a home, but it's not recorded yet. And that's how I always like to ask the guests to come when they come on is in me with what that song is to you. What's that one that holds a special place that just hadn't found a project yet? What do you got for you guys? Three songs actually so far. <laughs> and you've played all three. Sweet. I'm play. <laughs> so, so I've been waiting for this. For yes. This guy. So I was going to say, uh, when an artist doesn't have that, I have to go to the office and get the fishbowl out. And when I get the fishbowl out, your choices are either going to be right now by SR 71, sweet Caroline. <laughs> um, uh, my name is mud. Um, by Primus, wasn't yeah. it? Primus. Oh, that's rich. Before you do any more of that, I'm going to have to go in here and do a little bit of this real quick. Hold on. This is personally one of my favorite songs to play. Good. We have. Awesome. So, folks, what I'm about to do is this fancy little thing called I'm going to put a cap and a high pass filter on his vocals when he plays that harmonica. It doesn't blow out the. Oh, yeah. Doesn't go beam and peek out. So, we should be good whenever you're ready, sir. I'm leaving this in here because that's a cool, interesting fact for people that don't understand about recording. Fast Johnny was a good boy. He works real hard. He's making ends meet. He deserves a gold star. There ain't enough space in the state to keep Johnny around here. Well, Johnny had a car that he drove real... Let's do that again. Well, Johnny had a car that he drove real fast. And when he hugged the road, swear it hugged him right back. Yeah, Johnny had a plan. After all, he's a man of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he's fast and he's lean and he's going for broke. He's rolling down the windows, he's blowing out smoke He's faster than a bullet, he's steady as a train Not a single man in town that can speak in Johnny's name He's turning up the songs on the radio He's gonna 
drive that car into Mexico. He's on the right path any place he goes. Keep going up. Johnny had a girl tattoos on her back And when she said his name, boy, you really liked that The day he'd break her heart was the day that he would disappear Yeah, cause he's fast and he's lean and he's going for broke He's roaming down the windows, he's blowing out smoke He's faster than a bullet, he's steady as a train Not a single man in town that can speak and drown his name He's turning up the songs on the radio He's gonna drive that car into Mexico He's on the right path any place he goes Keep going up songs on the radio he's gonna drive that car into mexico he's on the right path any place he goes keep going up yeah keep going up fast johnny keep going up one two Going up. Damn it! <laughs> Woo! I like that as that ending right there. That one heats up a little bit. Yeah. And that's 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 oh, that's good. I'm gonna tell you boys. I think you guys are on the right path. I think you're on to something super special here. In the words of Fast Johnny, he's on the right path any place he goes. <sighs> good one. All right, man. Well, thank you again, gentlemen, for coming. Um, right now, uh, no website currently? Uh, we have, like, all the socials and then a... I know uh, you're on the socials, but do you have... I, I actually set up a sub stack. Okay, so you got a sub stack. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on the Instagram that it's a, on there. Mm-hmm. So Instagram, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, um, Clubhouse, Google Plus? <laughs> Could be. Oh, man. MySpace? Flick- yeah. Flickr. Flickr? Yeah. Flickr. Tumblr? Tumblr, yeah. yeah. Tumblr, okay. Yeah. Just making sure we got all the all the bases covered. MySpace, Zanga. <laughs> oh, Zanga. Remember Zanga? Oh, man. Only old school people know Zanga. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger? Yep. Dude, that was... All the, that. that was Yahoo my, chat. That was my heyday. Yep. Just just type in uh, type in the band Laredo into your Google and see what happens. Yeah. Oh, it's going to bring up two of the four citizens of the band Laredo. Oh. Anyway, guys, so thank you very much for stopping by. Um, we will do this again, and I look forward to seeing the live show from you guys. Merch to come, please, please, please go out and support live music. Do not hesitate to stop at the merch table. Say hi, buy merch to help them get these fine artists up and down the road. And, again, I think you guys got you got it right now. I, I may be, I'm, I'm not anybody who has any power in the music industry. I'm just saying I think you guys got it. Thank you, Aaron Bentley. Thank yeah, thanks for having us, man. Yeah. This is great. Until next time, folks, Marin Bentley, off mic, off the record. Adios.
Peace. Do what you love. Off Mic, Off the Record is a Blacktop Poetry production. For more insight into your favorite independent artists and all things behind the scenes and in between, visit blacktoppoetry.com. Our theme is provided by Austin Upchurch. Go check him out at austinupchurch.com. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. And if you made it this far, you're either really bored or you fell asleep. Either way, thank you for your support, and I'll catch you next time. Adios. It's gonna be okay.